0: birth of Jesus, one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made of one substance with the Father, right? Some of you have heard that before, the Nicene Creed, changes everything. So Luke gives us an introduction by talking about John the Baptist's miraculous conception, Zacharias' doubts, and then Gabriel shows up announces Mary's miracle conception. So it's not quite Christmas, so we're going to do a little pre-Christmas reflection on Luke chapter 1, verse 46, a song. Mary's song. And Mary said, "'My soul glorifies the Lord, "'and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, "'for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. "'From now on, all generations will call me blessed.'" For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He helped to serve in Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Even as he said to our forefathers, "Wow, what a prayer uh, what a, yeah, what a song. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning to reflect on this amazing sequence of events that led to the birth of our Savior. We ask you, bless these words in Jesus name. Amen. So it's a great song. Worship leaders, musicians take note. there's about five songs in the first two chapters of Luke. We don't have the music, but we've got the lines. you can Put them to the music yourself. But notice Mary's attitude in the song. It's uh, humility and gratitude. God's grace are evident in that way. And then as she gets toward the end of the song, it's kind of dramatic, right? The proud and mighty are shattered. The hungry are filled. Very dramatic kind of a song. It draws a very definite line. God is just. And so the question I thought we'd ask this morning is who can sing this song? Who are the blessed ones? So Mary gives us several qualities of the blessed. The first obvious quality of the blessed is humility. Verses 47 and 48, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. You know, I could imagine other responses. Right Here we have a, a young, maybe 16, 17-year-old Judean Jewish maiden small village she's from and an angel shows up and says you're going to have a son you're going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit some people instead of immediately rejoicing might have been like oh how am I going to explain this right Or what will Joseph think? What will my family think? But you notice that's not her response. Right away, she recognizes the privilege she's being given. She trusts Joseph. She trusts God and exalts the Lord. And really, her uh, cousin Elizabeth as well, supernatural birth there as well, similar to what uh, Benjamin mentioned earlier with Abraham and Sarah, supernatural birth. There's couples beyond having children, and they are supernaturally enabled to have a child as well so think about this mary just you know another maiden in judea elizabeth her older cousin ordinary people that are transferred they're brought into the big story by the grace of god by god's sovereign grace they become central to god's plan isn't that a little bit like you and me Right? It's not in us. It's not who we are. It's not what we've done. It's not our backgrounds. Although, even in our backgrounds, God's sovereign grace uses sometimes not only the good things, but the bad things of our background to become a part of His big plan. But the key here is even Elizabeth says, Why am I so favored? Mary exalts God. What they both have is humility. And their humility enables them to recognize the grace of being a part of God's plan. So when you have a humility before God, you can see the grace of God in your life. So Luke is teaching us that God's sovereign grace makes us a part of God's kingdom. And when we humble ourselves, we recognize that grace and live a life of gratitude. So true humility and gratitude... Are the first thing to characterize those who see God's grace. The second thing that the blessed, who are, of those who are blessed, is reverence. Verses 50 to 52, um, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arms, scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. And so uh, it mentions those who fear him, and it's a key phrase. Why does Luke emphasize this phrase? Why does he use this phrase? Because remember, Luke is perhaps the only Gentile author of the whole Bible, certainly in the New Testament. And he is writing to his friends, really his, his, his fellow audience, the God-fearers. See, when Christianity started out and Paul and Luke were preaching among the Gentiles, there was a group, they always went to the Jews first and often had a difficult response. But there was a group all around the Roman Empire, there was a group of people that when there was Jewish synagogues planted, there were non-Jewish, what were called Gentile peoples that were drawn to the synagogue And to be part of the Jewish religion, they had to uh, go to Jerusalem and offer a sacrifice and do some other things. But the one thing they usually didn't want to do as adult males was become circumcised. And so they weren't, they didn't become full Jews, right? But they were drawn to the synagogue. They liked the the high ethics and the, the monotheism made sense to them right? And so they were called the God-fearers. That was the label for them. And so by, this, uh, by recording Mary's song this way, Luke is gathering the attention of a very special group of people saying, see, you're in, right? Those who fear God are in this covenant, are blessed as well. And uh, they recognize themselves in this phrase. But more than that, In Proverbs 1.7, you know that it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of a wise, moral life is to have a reverence before God. But there's even more than that. In the song, as we read it, we see that God's rule does some reversals, doesn't it? Reversals. How we look at life, God often reverses. So it says here specifically in the verses we read, uh, he extends his mercy to those who fear him. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. What is this? This is poetic language. It's a hint here that what God is doing on the earth is not the same as what we see in ordinary life. The God of the universe scatters the proud, brings down rulers. And so when we humble ourselves, when we have reverence and fear for him, we align ourselves with the true ultimate power in the universe, God. This is crucial because God's rule, God's way of being in the universe, in the earth, is to scatter human-centered, ego-based power. That's what God's, God's rule does. You can look at history, or you can look at your own life. right? So you can look at history, and you can see kingdoms and empires form, and they've got some good things and some bad things, and those things grow and grow and grow and grow and grow, and grow until the bad things collapse the whole system. right? Roman Empire took almost a millennium, Soviet communism took 70 years. Right? The more evil, the more evil it's in the system, the quicker it blows up. But you can see it in your own life as well. Personal life. This is the kingdom, the great reversal. And if you see this, you're going to have insight into both large sweeps of history and daily personal life. This is what God does. He brings down human pride. That's the kingdom at work. And he exalts the humble. But it's not obvious. And so that's why those who fear the Lord, the manifestation of that is we begin to align with the way that things will be ultimately even before that can be seen and is obvious. And that's why it takes faith, right? So we're trusting, we're aligning with a future hope and a trust that God will make it right. Trusting in the work of the cross. I mean, it's not immediately obvious why the death of someone 2,000 years ago, even the you know, God-man, Jesus Christ, why should that bring my atonement for my sin? God said it does. My son and I were talking about theories of the atonement yesterday and I pointed out, I said, they're very interesting. It's good to think about, but the Bible never, it just says Jesus died for our sins and that did it. How and why we can speculate, it's okay. It's a brute fact. That's the kingdom. Trusting in Christ's return. Even some Christian uses of power do not reflect reverence and humility and God will scatter it. Those of you that are given trust from others, given spiritual authority in people's lives, maybe a trusted friend, small group leader, youth pastor, you need to walk that power out with humility and reverence because it's people's lives we're talking about you know what are some of the most difficult and painful things i deal with as a pastor is people that have been mistreated by people in spiritual authority things like sexual abuse or just twisting people's minds power use of power you know using spiritual authority to gain power and influence the devastation of that. Here's the good news about that how you respond can extend the kingdom of God. As we line ourselves up with reverence before the kingdom of God, God can exalt you as you humble yourself and extend his kingdom through you. It's the second quality of those who sing is reverence. One last quality of those who sing is hunger which we've mentioned two or three times now recently. I think it's a theme God's got for us. He says in verse 53, he's filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty, that reversal again. He's helped his servant in Israel and remembering to be merciful and to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our forefathers. So the hungry spiritually understood, certainly, but sometimes, you know, the poor sometimes also see the need for God first, not always. But specifically, the, the ani, blessed are the poor, the Hebrew word's ani, and in Psalms, especially, uh, it comes to represent those who are at a disadvantage in society because they trust God. And they are looked down upon or persecuted. You can look all over the Psalms, but you know, Psalm 35, 10, Psalm 67, 19 to 21, um, the ani, right? The poor. This poor man cried. It's closely related to humility and fear of the Lord. The hungry know that we lack and that only God can fill us. See, so look back at verse 53 in Luke again there. He says, God sends the hungry away empty. Why? Is God being mean? No. Uh, excuse me. Sends the who away? The rich. <laughs> Sends away the, the rich away empty, not the hungry. <laughs> Sends the rich away empty. Whew. Okay, almost got it backwards. All right. Sends the rich. Why? You know, is he just being mean? No. It's, again, it's poetry. It's oversimplified. It's the people who are trying to fill themselves with what cannot last. That's his point, Right? And so those that are trying to get filled up, whether that's financial or relational, whatever you're trying to do apart from the kingdom, you're sent away empty because you're trying to fill yourself with what cannot last. The hungry know that we lack what only God can give. And so that's blessed, right? Are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness that be filled. So how do we respond put away <clears throat> any habit or addiction that claims to fill you but leaves you empty those who were around last year winter and spring and summer over and over in Jeremiah right? we learned that the addictive nature of trying to fill yourself with broken cisterns right? trying to find living water in something that is not living water Right? And so we don't get down on people. We understand that there's various things plaguing people right now in our society, including Christians, Right, compulsive use of various things, some that are obviously evil, like pornography, others that aren't as obvious, but it becomes a compulsive behavior. It's a broken cistern. And so if you find yourself with a broken cistern, do what you need to do to break that habit and then hunger for God himself. Through the cross of Christ, surrender, draw near, and let Him fill you. So, the last quality of those who sing is hunger. So, here's the singers. Mary sings because she humbly recognizes she's caught up in God's sovereign grace. Have you tasted that? I want you to taste that. You know? What? Lord, how did this happen? How did I wind up in your kingdom? Thank you, Jesus, right? There's a sovereignty and a grace. Hallelujah. Woo, you know, like, yes. There's a sovereign grace. And she reverently submits to that grace, no matter the cost, hungry and open to God. So how about you? Are we humble and reverent and hungry for God? Let's stand together and pray. Hallelujah. So father, like Mary, I pray that every one of us, our, our, soul can magnify you and glorify you that somehow we've been caught up in your great story that you have through an act of mercy, broken through our stubborn will. You have gotten our attention and you're pouring your grace into our lives not just one time sometime in the past but every day every week pouring your grace into our lives lord we're so thankful and father i pray that right now there are hearts that are burning with hunger for you hearts that are filled with joy father we just have a vision of a people of, of filled with you loving you loving one another being a light to a hungry, broken world around us. So, Father, we ask during this Christmas season, Advent season, celebrating, thinking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, we ask that you would fill every soul. Fill us here. Give us your grace and goodness to pass on to others. Father God, hallelujah, Lord. Just ask everyone to close their eyes for a moment and I mind are open. Just if you're in a place where you say, I, I really, I just really need the Lord right now. I need God to do something. Um, and just, just raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Say, yeah, yeah, you got some needs? Yep, okay. So we're gonna cry out to God. Lord, in Jesus' name, we just pray that whether physical healing, whether uh, financial needs, whether spiritual needs of those around, we pray in Jesus' name, That you would transform and work and pour out your spirit. We are hungry for you. We're hungry for you to manifest your glory. We love you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. So, Father, I ask deep grace and peace would rest upon these that raise your hands and others that are thinking about things, carrying things in their hearts. We trust you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close with these words. May the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen. We're dismissed.